Today's episode is brought to you by the Negotiation Powerhouse Masterclass. If you are wondering what's next in your career, how to renegotiate your salary, what terms are trending on LinkedIn that recruiters are using right now, I encourage you to go into the show notes and click the link for the registration while it's free. Look, you need to come up with a game plan. And so don't let this quarantine time go to waste. Put it towards something that can help you build a more stable career and get some career clarity. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey guys, quick heads up. You may want to make sure you have a pen and paper handy so that you can make some notes. This episode means the world to me because I recorded this with my mentor, Sakita Douglas. She is someone who I always went to for serious advice on some of the biggest shifts I've had in my career and all of her advice I was able to bank on. So this is not a lightweight conversation. So don't discount the talent that this woman is bringing and the information. Uh, I'm super blessed to have her in my space and she is a testimony to, you know, you should always keep people who you would not mind trading places with in your circle and in your top five. She is definitely someone who is a go-to resource, not just for myself, but for many professionals in the oil and gas industry. And this past October, I was fortunate enough to get some of her time and have her sit down with me and address the pay gap current uh, situation that's trending in the U.S., uh, specifically as it pertains to women of color and men of color. So, This past October in 2019, we recorded this episode, but I held it until spring because spring usually brings about the mid-year reviews, salary renegotiations, and new opportunities. And in the midst of this COVID pandemic, so many of you have looked and reached out to me for advice on what to do next. And you're looking for something solid that you can bank on because you're probably a little nervous or flat out scared. Well, this is it. Here's the episode, the pay me more conversation, which addresses the pay gap between men and women and how it impacts people of color specifically. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's go. So, Sakita, thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Um, I'm excited to have you on here because this is a topic that you and I talk about both uh, at lunch and in a serious matter and probably even with some of our clients. Statistics show that, on average, women do not ask for more money. They don't like to negotiate. It's something that makes women and uh, people of color in general very uncomfortable. And so when women and people of color hear this statistic and they feel as if, you know, that doesn't apply to them uh, due to the fact they have a good rapport with their boss at work or they think they're making good money, what do you have to say to that? So this is, as you know, we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. And I I think that this is a a much bigger conversation that simply hasn't been unpacked. Mm -hmm. So a couple things is one, I think that there are major cultural implications of the reasons Um, women and people of color, and and for the sake of this conversation, I'll just mention African-American men Mm -hmm. um, um, have difficulty or resistance or discomfort negotiating. Mm -hmm. Um, And and what I see, and I'm just going to be really candid with you in the work that I do and the folks that I engage with, although there are women who certainly, uh, women across ethnic groups and cultural groups Mm -hmm. that sometimes have difficulty Um, What I see a greater consistency is African-American men Mm -hmm. that struggle with that. And I think there are a lot of different reasons for that. One of the major reasons is very often 
particularly in communities of color, not always, but often, when we're in a situation where we are in the job market, we are coming from a perspective of lack, right? right. So usually we need a job. Right. We need a job. We're looking for a job. Um, it's not always this strategic move where I'm right. I'm in a, I'm already in a good place professionally. Right. I'm looking to make a strategic move, and I know why I'm making that move. That t- that those are those happen, but that is not the majority of the reasons why right. people are in the job market. Most people are looking for a job because there is some type of need whatever the case may be. And so when you're coming from a perspective of lack, well, you're like, well, I just need this job. Right. So you I'm not, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want them to reconsider giving it to someone else. So I think that's a major piece of the equation we have to talk about. I think as women, when I think about women, we are, um, you know, naturally are, you know, we tend not to be as aggressive, can't just naturally. Right. Um, and so we tend not to, in, in many instances, not speak up for ourselves, right. quite honestly. But if you ask me, the biggest component, the biggest commonality is most of us don't know our value in the marketplace to begin with. Correct. And so if you don't know your value in the marketplace, mm-hmm. if you don't know what you should be earning in this job, in your city, with your years of experience, you may not just know what you should even be asking for anyway. Right. And so to me, the larger conversation that could be its own podcast, honestly, is <laughs> knowing your value mm. in the marketplace. And then there's some some ways and strategies that you find out how I agree. To find out your value. And so when you don't know your value, when we don't play that game, uh, what's really at stake that we're losing? You know, there's a statistic that says for each year you don't negotiate, uh, starting at the age of 30, by the time you're retired, you would have left half a million dollars off on the table. And so considering statistics like that, um, I think this is just deeper than fear of asking, just like you stated. But what's, let's talk about what's really at stake here. When we don't know our value, when we don't, open that door for those conversations. What's really at stake? So a couple of things. So one, again, if you want to break it down, right? Mm-hmm. So when I say to you or to someone else, and certainly those folks that I coach and work with have heard me say this before, is the reason most of us don't know our value is because one, we don't understand the way that it is determined in the first place. Mm, okay. Okay. Let's just yeah, be real. Let's, break, so that, that let's break that down. And the reasons we don't understand that is because for, for a number of different reasons, again, I, I am very sensitive to the cultural implications that impact our corporate careers. And that's my passion, which is leveling the playing field so that we understand and begin to think strategically about our, our, our jobs and our careers instead of kind of being at the whim Mm-hmm. of of someone else, right? right? And so so part of that part of that conversation is understanding how your value is gauged in the first place. Really quickly, you and I've talked about it. My daughters who are young adults themselves, um, as as long as as young as they were able to understand this, I've been saying all along there is really not that much competition in the market. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're in a corporate environment where you're working for someone else, and assuming you're working for, uh, you know, a larger company, I would define a big company as someone with a thousand or more employees. Mm-hmm. Um, there really is not that much competition. Right. In every single organization, um, in from an, this is an HR term I'm going to use. Every company stack ranks. Now that's an old school terminology. We exactly. don't use that anymore yeah. because it's kind of offensive. Yeah. But that but still happens. happens in in some form or fashion. Um, for those who 
maybe have heard the phrase, the new phrase may be a nine box evaluation, but the mm -hmm. way performance reviews are done essentially is through stack ranking. So as an example, let's say I work for ABC company, I'm a mid-level accountant in the um, you know, accounts payable division, and there are 20 people in my department. Right. So my manager, typically at least once a year, usually in larger companies it's done twice a year, they're going to rank my, me and my peers from one to 20. There are 20 of us in my department. Right. And so somewhere, so, so there's gonna start with one being like, who's the best in that department? We can't all operate the way down, without. Down, exactly, all the way to number 20. Yep. And so the way that that shows up is your top 10%, Take it to the bank of what are determined or, or the verbiage we use are hypos or your high potential employees. These are your leaders. These are your influencers. These are the folks you do not want to lose. These right. are the folks you're going to, you want to do everything to retain. So you have your high potentials. Most high potential employees come into the organization as hypo. When, when they're being recruited, you yeah. know they're high potential, right? right. They're like, we got to get, ooh, we got to get her. And you the know. high potentials know that. And, the, high, and the high potentials know that they're high potential. Yeah. Keep in mind, Let's right? Let's be clear. Exactly. <laughs> then, then you've got your bottom. 20 to 30%. 20% is most common you'll see in, in organizations that have high turnover. When you think about like retails and call centers, it's mm -hmm. usually 30%. Those are your underperformers. Mm -hmm. Those are your folks when it's time to cut budget, when it's time yep. to restructure, when it's time for an acquisition or a merger, when it's time to, for whatever the case may be, these are the first to go. Right. Your, top, your bottom 20 to 30%. And then everyone else in the middle that, uh, that remaining 70 to 60 to 70%, maybe 80%, depending on the company. Now, this is my term, or your steady eddies. Right. These are your consistent players, yes. right? And so, and, and there's nothing wrong with being a steady eddy as long as that's what you want to be. And you're clear on and that. And you're clear on that, right. right? So your steady eddies are your maintainers, right? Mm -hmm. they're, your, your, they're your employees typically with longer tenure. They're somewhere in the middle. They could be mm -hmm. somewhere from an individual contributor, a high, you know, a high-performing individual contributor to maybe a mid-level manager, right? right? Um, but these are your folks that keep the industry running. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is going back to our conversation about knowing how your value is attached begins with knowing where you stand. Amen. And the vast majority of us, mm -hmm. the vast majority of us that are in corporate America do not know where we stand. Exactly. And, 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 there, and we are ambiguous, candidly. Mm -hmm. There's a great deal of ambiguity in understanding that. So the question I always get, and you and I have talked about this, is when people say, well, how do I do that? You should ask. Ooh, and let's get into that because <laughs> that's, that's the, the strategy. You say being strategic, Absolutely. understanding when to be calculated. Don't wait until the last minute when you heard about layoffs or you kind of want to leave. Always keep something going. And so the first step in a woman or a person of color, anyone in general, to trying to become more strategic in their career, trying to understand how to play the game, right, mm -hmm. is to ask. And so how would you tell, how would you say that conversation goes? How does that start? So uh, let me just say this. I get it. So, you know, I'm not going, I'm not one of those people mm -hmm. who are sitting in the glass ceiling telling you things that I've not experienced or seen. 
I, I get why there is a hesitancy. There is a hesitancy in general to have difficult conversations. It is. Not just in our careers, not in our professional lives, even in our personal lives. Yeah. We Most people dilly and dally and get anxious over having tough conversations. What I would challenge you with is that your career is a business decision. Mm. And the first thing I need us to do as a community of, of, of workers, a community of professionals, is you have to get out of your feelings about Ooh. your job and your career. You have got to yeah. have some objectivity <laughs> you have got to and so many of us are not progressive which is another topic for another day are not progressing because we are so focused on the bs yeah candidly. how we really feel about how we really feel. i don't like my supervisor my yeah. co-workers are haters if i had a nickel for every time i hear <laughs> about how somebody is, is hating, hating on somebody, somebody at yes. work i'm like how y'all get any work done why you not As, the top eight <laughs> So my point being is that I, I get it that it is difficult having difficult yes. conversations, but it is simple. It is as simple as asking. Mm -hmm. And what I would recommend anyone do is one, I would never wait. I would never wait until it's time for a performance review. Because it you, seems defensive, right? It, it seems not only defensive, but it's you expect that, right? right. You're, you're, the, the person that manages you or leads you, they expect that, right? What I'm saying is you need to go to your, your manager, supervisor, whomever you, you work with. I would also challenge you that if you're in a role where you cross collaborate. Mm. So again, I think about, I'll just use accounting as an example. You work in accounting, but you might support the sales division. So mm -hmm. you've got these dotted lines, right? To folks who you work with on a daily basis, but don't necessarily report to you. Have the conver initiate a conversation, and it could be as simple as I just wanted to check in with you to see how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to get your thoughts around Project ABC, mm -hmm. how it's going. Is there an area where you see I could improve? Mm -hmm. Is there some additional work that needs to be done? Mm -hmm. What are the questions I'm not asking about my performance? Mm -hmm. That's always a great question, right? Right. I want to be better. I want to do better. Um, it could be as simple as I really want to be able to eventually do your job. Ooh. Could you help me um, yes. giving me, could you help me develop a plan on both the, the tactical as well as the intangible qualities that I need to work on? Right. Right. And, and I would challenge you that initiating the conversation is not nearly as difficult as getting the constructive criticism. Right. Mm. So that's another piece of it is when you ask, be you ready. have to be prepared. Keep your emotions in check. Exactly. And, and take it knowing that when you've solicited it, but here's the benefit of these conversations, Daniela. And this mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to get folks to understand, which is when you do that, and I don't care if you're a clerk at a, at a convenience store, I don't care if you are, you work in a restaurant, mm -hmm. I don't care if you are a mid-level professional or you're right out of college, when you initiate that conversation, all of a sudden they're gonna look at you in a different light. Mm -hmm. They're gonna be like, oh man, oh shoot. You're taken serious. You're, 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 you're taken more serious. Oh, they're concerned about themselves, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden your manager, your leader is now going, oh wow, she, she may have some potential. He right. may have some potential, but you have to be prepared for the constructive criticism. And then you gotta be prepared to do the work at the end of the day. So, so as an example, one of the things, and this, I'm just making up some stuff. Um, so you could have someone that says, you know what? I love your passion and I love the pace at which you work. And I know you like to get things done, mm -hmm. but you're, you're lacking in your attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so what I would say, or what I would advise someone to say, 
you know, one, if you know it, you should acknowledge it. Yeah, exactly. I'm, not, I'm not surprised to hear that, right? right? That may be something. I'm not surprised to hear that. Right. I do move fast. You know, what would be some of your tips? You know, what, what do you advise me to do? Well, one, I would just challenge you to slow down. I would challenge you to double and double, you know, double check your work, mm-hmm. right? If you think there's a gap, have me eyeball it or have, have right. Sean in the next cubicle eyeball it. But you have to be prepared to take the constructive criticism and you can't get in your feelings. Exactly. Even if you disagree. And that's another thing is there may be some things where you feel like, well, I don't totally agree with that. Right. That's just not the time or place to get into it. Exactly. Time right? and place. Exactly. And so understanding timing. What part of what we're talking about and and, and part of what I kind of get into in my book is what, what we would call professional maturity. Mm-hmm. Right? So professional maturity is being able at the end of the day, it's it's lots of things, but it's being able to initiate and solicit feedback and conversations and being and having the presence mm-hmm. to be able to manage it right. in a thoughtful way. Right. It is it is being mature enough to not walk out of that conversation mm-hmm. and then go to your gossipy friend right. in the cubicle next and did you hear what she said about this is yeah. what she said about me. Last point and I and this is one of the things I'm passionate about is so many people talk about their their salaries at Ooh. work and their income. I don't care if you earn minimum wage. I don't care if you, you earn a million it. dollars a year. Right. Do not talk what you earn with your coworkers. And you don't ask them. And you don't ask them. And if they ask you, just be like, you know, with all due respect, that's just not something I talk about. It's an amateur move. It is a hello. Especially in corporate hello. America. Hello. And, and you know what else? Mm-hmm. Everybody else knows you talking about it. And so you think your supervisor don't know that every time you get a 3% increase or, or you get 2%, but everybody, you know, the rest of your department got 4% that you're not moaning and groaning about it. Of course they do. You are killing your career. You are literally killing your reputation mm-hmm. in, in the market. So that, you know, that's kind of a side note, but that's a, that's a very real commonality exactly. is people, as, it, there are no executives. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. There is not an executive. I would even challenge you probably once you get to that director level, maybe even senior manager level, where they're sitting around at work yes. talking to each other about their salaries they or got their bonuses. There. They got there because they have emotional intelligence. Absolutely. High potential employees do not talk about, do are not sharing what they earn. Exactly. That is a career killer. Yes. Too comfortable. Absolutely. And, or, and too immature. It's yes. a reflection of immaturity. Um, so anyway, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how you can begin to initiate those conversations. And so Sakita, you mentioned that you have a book that, can you tell us about when your book is coming out and what people can expect from that? Sure. Absolutely. So the name of my book is the fundamental five, which is key principles for strategic career progression. And it will be published in December of this year. It is a passion project that is probably five years overdue. Let me not lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really had to get, I, I had to rethink. The reason it's taken me so long to finish it mm-hmm. is because I wanted to be really thoughtful about my audience. Mm-hmm. And what I have found is there are, there are lots of great products and books and coaching tools out there. And most of them are geared towards a pretty savvy professional. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, the, the calls that I receive, um, I, I would say probably a third to 40% of the calls that I receive come from people 
who are, for the most part, individual contributors. A lot of them are folks right out of college or right out of grad school who are trying to navigate this, the complexity of the corporate dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to, you know, my, my tagline is real talk about real jobs in the real world, right? Mm -hmm. And so I want, whether you're a truck driver or again, like I said, you're a server at Sawgrass or whatever the case may be, I wanted, you could very well be uh, that that mid-level manager trying to make it to the next level. I just wanted my work to be pragmatic and practical and that everyone could take work away from and really to provide you with some core key practical mm -hmm. things that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times when we are not progressing in our careers, I think we think it's the big stuff. I need to go get an MBA. I mm -hmm. need to get my PMP. Those are all really good things. It doesn't right. necessarily mean that that's what's missing, right. right? Sometimes the things that are missing is our emotional and professional maturity. Ooh. Sometimes it is our ability to successfully build networks and pour into those that those networks. And so it, it, it's the practical things. And also largely for communities of color, we are still struggling with what it means to have a career strategy. Mm -hmm. And so taking it from a very fundamental perspective and helping to articulate in a way that everyone understands, here's how you craft your strategy for your career. Mm -hmm. Here's how you progress, right? And mm -hmm. here are some of the key things that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. One of the things in my book, and I'll, I'll just share this and I go into it in greater detail is, there are a lot of people on career in, that, are, that are on jobs right now um, that one, don't consider their job a career. Ooh. That is a very good point. And so, and, and, and here's another thing. So differentiating between the two. And if you want a career, there's gotta be some intentionality around it. Exactly. Some real intentionality. Now, if you just want some, you know, job to job, and there, again, this is not about Sakita Douglas or Daniela Green making these decisions for you. It is about challenging you, challenging mm -hmm. how you think when you get up and go to work every day. You could very easily turn your job into a career. It takes a decision and some planning and some mm -hmm. intentionality. And your career could be a step towards you going off into starting a business. How many executives do we see get offers to go start their own company? Because Absolutely. they're having conversations Absolutely. and it starts at this level. For the person who feels like they may call you and say, well, Sakita, let's say someone calls you and says, Sakita, well, how much do you think I should ask for? What do you think I should do? And you give them advice and they tell you they ask for way less. Because <laughs> we've had these conversations. We, yes. And you can even give an example. Yes. What would you say to that person um, if you if you were talking to them right now? So uh, that happens. I, I, I hate to say it. Let me yeah. just say this. That happens all of the time. And it's not just entry level. And it's not just entry level. In, in fact, I would challenge you to some of the folks who leave the most money on the table are usually your mid-career folks, mid-level managers, um, you know, senior level ind individual contributors. So the first thing that I would do is, is what I, the folks that I coach, the first thing that I tell them is, you know, I, I obviously I get some background information and I tell them, based upon your experience, based upon your industry, based upon your geography, because those are the major factors in how compensation is equated, you should be at, you should ask for blank, right? Because that is what the position is. It's you, that's the high end of the range. Right. You're not going to get the high end of the range. Right. No company is going to bring you in at the max. Not one. Right. Right. Google is not going to bring you in at the high end of the range. Right. They're not. So you ask for more so that you can get exactly to where you want to be. Exactly. Right. 
And I just find, and this is, look, what we need to do is have a coaching uh, firm. I find that when organizations and leaders and recruiters and HR folks ask candidates directly, what are you looking for? Mm. It's like they shrink down. Or they get and scared. scared and intimidated. Mm-hmm. And so they lowball themselves. And they know that they're lowballing themselves. Right. And that's the time to shine. Exactly. I have someone just recently, and you and I have talked about this. He is a high, uh, a senior level individual contributor. 20 years of experience in the work that he does. Wow. Highly sought after. He was recruited for this position. I want to be clear. They called him. Right. He gets all the way. We talked about it. I said, hey, <laughs> go in there and ask for 160. Ask for 160. You'll probably end up around between 145 and 150. This is what I told him, mm-hmm. you know? And if they, if, if you don't get there, if they don't give you 160 and they offer 145 and 150, ask for a sign on bonus. This, this Ooh, is, these right. are the conversations that I'm giving because in his industry, that's not uncommon. Right. It's not uncommon in, in most industries. It's depending right. on what you do, but specifically for his skill set, he says, okay, we talked about it. I told him what to say, how to say it, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I knew something was wrong when he didn't call me back the next day. <laughs> I knew something was wrong. So I called him the following day, two days later, and I'm like, did you get your offer? Yeah, I got my offer. Was it a good offer? And he goes, I lowballed myself. I said, oh my God, what happened? He's like, well, they just, they asked me what I was looking for and I just got so nervous and I I, I told him 110. What? What? I was like, oh my God. I mean, like literally just melting in my chair. And so, but, but that is not, I told him, I said, I, that is ridiculous. And just to, to, to close this story out, he started on, he, he took, he accepted the position, started mm-hmm. his supervisor, the vice, the senior vice president of his division came, his, the person who hired him came to him and said, in January, we're going to bump you up to wow. 135 or something, 138, something like that, because now they've got an equity issue, right? Right. Audits. right. And all those other things. So. I applaud this organization, certainly from an HR perspective. Right, for having ethics. But for having ethics and doing it. Most companies are not going to do that, though. I've even seen in Wall Street, uh, one of the, I think it was from Chevron, they said that they've seen people report that as a cost savings. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. When their team doesn't won't negotiate. negotiate. They were reported as a cost savings because That's at the end of the day, everybody's worried about their own career. Absolutely. It is. It's your responsibility. It is your responsibility. And, and I, as I've stated earlier, your career and the income that you earn from your career is a business decision. You've got to be objective. Mm-hmm. You cannot be emotional. You can't be intimidated to ask for more. Mm-hmm. And so I just, it, it, it's a real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, an, an extra 30000 in the budget, man, that supervisor looks great. That, right. that executive is like, man, he is, he is doing more with less. Right, <laughs> right, and uh, and they're happy. And 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 but but let me tell you, and I have worked with lots of companies in lots of industries. Very few leaders would have come proactively to that employee and said, "We we gonna bump you up." No, yeah, you know, twenty twenty seven, twenty five, twenty eight thousand dollars, especially to in make high pressure environment. Exactly, There's too much going on. Exactly, and, and I also applied his that that executive because also. He could be creating a potential turnover situation if he doesn't. Right. The same way that they recruited him, there's another company that'll be like, "Hey, we can offer we, you. We can a- offer you. We, we can get you that 160." Right. right? So, so I, I I think that's a great leader, and that 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 speaks volumes about that individual. But but I'm telling you that this happens a lot, and I think we I think as women a lot of times where we 
have this natural in inclination maybe to not be aggressive, I see it far more common, mm -hmm. candidly. An African American man, Prof professional level African American wow. man. Yeah, I see that much more. This resistance to negotiate. Mm -hmm. um, now, certainly, when they get to a certain level, it 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 falls off. But um, it it is not just a female issue. Um, That's a good point. It isn't because we don't really see too many articles about that. Uh, it's just about the women. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and that's because women of, of all across yeah. the board earn less than, than our male counterparts. Right. Even white right? women. Even Caucasian women. Right. But, but the reality, that's a whole nother issue to unpack. And I think that there are reasons for that. But I also will tell you that there are women, um, you know, sporadically who are beginning to understand their value, beginning mm -hmm. to speak up more, beginning to ask for more. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not the majority of us. It really right. is not. It's not. Thank you so much, Sakita. I uh, hope everybody got something out of this conversation. Um, for those of you who want to find out more about Sakita Douglas, follow her on social media, and more about her book, I will have that included in the show notes. She's definitely someone to know and connect to in the industry. And Sakita, what is the name of your company and it's where is it located? It's TMR Solutions Group. We're right here in Houston, Texas. The best way to connect with me is online on LinkedIn at Sakita Douglas. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on Facebook at Sakita Douglas. My business has a, um, a business page on LinkedIn as well, but just give me a shout. And um, thank you again for the invitation. Thank it's you so much for accepting. Yeah. And so, guys, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Be sure to drop comments and share. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For those of you interested, Sakita Douglas will be releasing her book this May of 2020. Make sure you go follow her on her LinkedIn and all her social media handles are all in the show notes. Make sure you go out and support her immediately and follow her. Great things are coming down the pipeline for her. As for Daniela, you can follow me on Instagram at Slaypedia, Twitter, twitter.com backslash Slaypedia, and the same for Facebook, facebook.com backslash Slaypedia. I look forward to hearing from you guys about today's episode and what you thought. God bless.